Welcome to the Gathering Church Podcast. We are so glad you're joining us today. For more info about The Gathering, you can check out thegathering.online. Thanks for checking out the podcast. Here's today's message. Again, we're glad you're here. I hope you had a great Memorial Day weekend. Uh, maybe you got to see family, uh, you got to play games or barbecue, whatever you chose to do. Uh, I hope you had a great time, and I hope you enjoyed Pastor Dennis's message last week. Can we give it up for Pastor Dennis and that word he brought last week? He said, accept God's plan and scan your baggage, right? Some of us have to get rid of the baggage that we're allowing to hold us down from what God has for us. Uh, would you be willing to, to check that with the Holy Spirit? And, and he will tell you, nope, that's not allowed on the flight, on the destination where you're headed. You're not allowed to continue those thoughts of what you remember your parents have said to you, or your peers have said to you, or what you are saying over yourself. Get rid of that. That's not from me. And so what a, a great reminder. And, and a testimony from Shad of what God did in his life, protecting him during a very difficult time, a moment where he, he really wanted his life to be taken. He wanted to be done. The pain was too much, but God had other plans, and we're very thankful for the recovery, the continued recovery for him. And uh, today we continue this concept. We're finishing off the series uh, called God's Plan. Has this helped anybody these past few weeks learning about God's plan? I hope so. It's been a, a lot of time and energy into this, and I hope it's been helpful to you and blessed you. We are going to today read the end of the story of Ruth. We get to get to the good part today, right? The, the happy ever after part of the story. It wasn't always a happy story in the beginning. If you remember in Ruth chapter 1, uh, Naomi has lost her husband, has lost her two sons, and now she's choosing to leave Moab and return to God, return to Bethlehem, uh, but she's not coming back empty-handed. She has Ruth, her daughter-in-law, returning with her. And uh, Ruth is working hard. She is gleaning the fields, and she meets a man named Boaz. And she asks him to marry her, to be her redeemer. Remember, she said to Boaz, you are a redeemer. She spoke that into his life. And now Boaz wants to marry Ruth, but there's one more obstacle to overcome. There's one more problem in chapter 4, and that is because Boaz is not uh, the closest relative to Naomi and Ruth. There's a closer relative. And so Boaz cannot marry Ruth without asking this person. And so don't worry, this is, uh, this is going to be the good part of the story. And I've entitled today's message after a favorite TV show of mine growing up. There was a, a show, uh, a lot of action, maybe a little bit too much violence at times as a kid, um, that we would watch. It had Mr. T in it. That's right. I'm talking about the A-Team. Do we have that picture of the A-Team up there? Uh, come on. Anybody remember the A-Team days? Good, good days. And uh, their leader there in the middle, uh, is it Hannibal, right? Does anybody remember? Um, he would say at the end, after they defeated the bad guys, they defeated the villains, he would say, I love it when a plan comes together, right? And so today's message is entitled, I love it when a plan comes together. And we're going to look at the end of the story of Ruth and Boaz. Uh, but before we do that, I want, to, I want to ground this sermon, I want to ground this series in a powerful verse out of Jeremiah. We've been, we've been looking at Proverbs before we set into Ruth chapter 1 and 2, but I want to look at Jeremiah you see, he was a prophet during one of the most difficult times in the history of Israel. The people were being sent into exile in Babylon. 
and they would be in exile for 70 years. It's essentially a, a lifetime, a long, a long amount of time. But, but this is what God spoke to his people through the prophet Jeremiah in the difficult times. Read Jeremiah 29, 10 and 11 with me. It says, For thus says the Lord, When 70 years are completed for Babylon, I will visit you, and I will fulfill to you my promise and bring you back to this place. For I know the plans I have for you, declares the Lord, plans for welfare and not for evil, to give you a future and a hope. We know that God's plan for you, it is, it is for welfare, meaning it's for completeness and peace and prosperity. His plan is to give you a future and a hope. And last week, Pastor Dennis talked about God's plan. He said, you know, your plan compared to your plan, they might all look a little bit different, but the similarity is that we're all going towards Jesus in the plan. It might look different from person to person, but when you're trying to figure out, is this God's plan? Is this not God's plan? Is it taking me closer to Jesus or further away from Jesus? Is it in line with the word of God or is it separating me from the word of God? That's what we have to keep in mind. And I don't have all the answers because God has a unique plan for every single person. And people would tell me with Jeremiah 29, 11, well, the context is different. Okay, the context might be a little different in Israel, but I promise you the concept remains the same. It's the same principle that he has a plan for your present, for your future, and for all eternity. And that's what we're going to look at today. God's plan for your present, your future, and your eternity. Are you ready to get into the last chapter of Ruth? Here we go. Ruth chapter 4. Let's read the first four verses. It says, Now Boaz had gone up to the gate and sat down there. And behold, the Redeemer of whom Boaz had spoken came by. So Boaz said, Turn aside, friend. Sit down here. And he turned aside and sat down. And he took ten men of the elders of the city and said, Sit down here. So they sat down. And then he said to the Redeemer, Naomi, who has come back from the country of Moab, is selling the parcel of land that belonged to our relative Elimelech. So I thought I would tell you of it and say, buy it in the presence of those sitting here in the presence of the elders of my people. If you will redeem it, redeem it. But if you will not, tell me that I may know for there is no one besides you to redeem it, and I come after you. And he said, I will redeem it. I'm going to pause there, not because that's the end of the conversation, but because I want you to think about this for a moment. Look at how well God has orchestrated this whole situation, and he has used Boaz wisely to set these things up. You see, it says that the Redeemer came by. I don't think that's a coincidence. I think that's God-ordained, just as he has done. You might remember back in chapter 2, it says that Ruth happened to go into the field of Boaz. God has been in each and every step of this story. And, and the writer says, behold the Redeemer. Like, look, look what happened. Look who showed up. God has been in, in the middle of this process. And now Boaz stops the man. He gathers the elders together so they can witness this, this business transaction. 
And they started out by saying, Naomi is selling her land, and you can buy it right now. I mean, I'm interested, but it goes to you first, and so if you want it, you can have it. It's interesting to me that, that Boaz gives all the good information up front, first off. I don't know if he's doing like reverse psychology here, but he gives all the good information. The Redeemer buys in, but then this is what Boaz says next, verse 5. It says, then Boaz said, the day you buy the field from the hand of Naomi, you also acquire Ruth, the Moabite, the widow of the dead, in order to perpetuate the name of the dead in his inheritance. Then the Redeemer said, I cannot redeem it for myself, lest I impair my own inheritance. Take my rights of redemption yourself, for I cannot redeem it. So Boaz gathers the people, he pitches to the Redeemer, and then gives the caveat that taking that land means taking Ruth as your wife and having children with her. To which the relative thinks, you know what, actually, um, I can't do that. I'm not able to do that. And he backed away from the deal. And I'm not going to show you the, the next few verses, but I'll paraphrase. The custom of, the, of that day to finalize a business deal was a terrible idea. Let me explain to you what would happen. They would share their footwear with one another. They would give away one of their shoes or sandals. Guys, I'm not in favor of this deal. <laughs> I would not be wearing good shoes ever if this was the case. I'm very glad that we've moved past this idea, this custom in our life. But anyways, anyways, Bo, Boaz now in this moment solidifies his place as the kinsman redeemer to Ruth and Naomi. And now he can marry Ruth and he celebrates this in front of everyone there and the witnesses, the crowd that was there. This is what they say in verse 11. They say, then all the people who were at the gate and the elders, they said, we are witnesses. May the Lord make the woman who is coming into your house like Rachel and Leah, who together built up the house of Israel. May you act worthily in Ephrath and be renowned in Bethlehem. And may your house be like the house of Perez, whom Tamar bore to Judah because of the offspring that the Lord will give you by this young woman. So the people bless Boaz. I feel like you can tell over and over again that this community loves Boaz. If you remember in chapter 2, his workers would say, you are blessed, Boaz. There was a lot of love in this town for Boaz. And he has so much going on. And yet, until this point, he has yet to find a wife. You know, you, you can have a lot of things and, and feel very blessed, but still feel like you're just missing that, that something, that there's just something missing, and you're waiting on God to bring it in. And, and God has a plan for you. And our first point, if you're new here, we typically do three points, unless I don't, but typically we do three points. And the first point today is that God, God's plan means present wholeness. He has a plan to give you wholeness in the middle as you seek his will. This, this crowd here, they, they declare a prayer over Boaz, but first over Ruth, who's about to be his wife. 
that she would be like Rachel and Leah and how they, they would build up those Rachel and Leah, they built up the house of Israel. That, that Ruth would be able to do the same thing in a joint house with Boaz. And Boaz would be known for wealth and honor, that his house would be like the house of Perez. I'll explain what that means a little bit later, but that wholeness, that, that word again from Jeremiah 29, 11, it means wholeness, peace, safety, welfare. God has a plan right now for your presence. God hears the prayers of his people. That's why he tells us, keep praying, keep seeking, keep knocking. That's why he says, don't worry about your problems. Pray about your problems. And whether you're Boaz and you've got a lot of things going, but you're missing one thing, you're missing something, or, or maybe you feel more like Naomi did in chapter one, and nothing, nothing is going your way. No matter how you feel, God has a plan for wholeness for you right now. It might take a little bit of time, but don't settle for where you are because you don't think God cares or wants to help you. Think about what if Naomi had chosen, had chose to settle in Moab? What if Ruth chose to settle by just getting the scraps? What if she chose to just settle for knowing Boaz as a friend and a helper, but nothing more? What if Boaz chose to settle and say, these are kind words from you, Ruth, but I don't know that we should, you know, go into marriage like this. What if they chose to settle? They would not receive all that God had for them. I think sometimes we choose to settle by our inactivity of prayer. Oh, I don't need to pray about that. God already knows. Uh, this is just something I'm going to have to bear. Do we believe God can do things right now in our present? Do we believe God can heal right now in our present? I wish I had the answers for why he does sometimes and why he doesn't other times. But we have to start by having the faith to know there can be wholeness right now. Of course, I have faith that healing will take place in, the, in eternity, in heaven, but I want to believe for it right now. James says you, you have not because you ask not. Be willing to ask and to continue to seek. Believe for that wholeness and welfare. God says, I have plans for you, for your welfare, not for evil. That doesn't mean that things are always perfect, but we can pray and believe for the now. And Boaz receives everything he could have hoped for as he lived righteously, waiting on the Lord and receiving a worthy woman and Ruth. And he becomes wealthy. He becomes renowned in Bethlehem. And through this arrangement, God's plan comes to light not only for Boaz, but also for Ruth and Naomi. Look at verse 13. What, what does it say in verse 13? It says, Boaz took Ruth and she became his wife. And he went into her and the Lord gave her conception and she bore a son. Then the woman said to Naomi, blessed be the Lord who has not left you this day without a redeemer. And may his name be renowned in Israel. He shall be to you a restorer of life and a nourisher of your old age for your daughter-in-law who loves you, who is more to you than seven sons, has given birth to him. And then Naomi took the child and laid him on her lap and became his nurse. 
I love this passage. There's just so many blessings right here in these verses. The blessing that Boaz has found a worthy woman. Ruth has found a worthy man. And they have a child together. What does it say? How did they have a child? The Lord gave her conception. It says the Lord was responsible for that. The Lord brought them the blessing that they had prayed for and believed for, that the crowd had prayed for. Remember, they, they prayed that blessing over them. The Lord brings Ruth a child when, think about before, she has been previously married. She was married for 10 years. Do you think there were times during those years that she was frustrated with God? That she was bitter, said, God, why can't we have kids yet? What is going on? God had a plan and his timing was perfect for them. Sometimes we're stuck in, in the present in bitterness, but God can turn it into a blessing if we will continue to wait on him. If you think about the story of Ruth, there are seasons, there are times that we go through that are frustrating, but God can change our status. If you look at Ruth throughout these chapters, in chapter one, she's a foreigner. In chapter 2, it says that she is the lowest servant. If you look at chapter 3, she is known as the maidservant. And now in chapter 4, she is a wife and a mother. God took her status from foreigner all the way to wife and mother. So don't tell me that God can't change your status. Do you believe that? Come on, give God praise if you believe your status can change in the next chapter. Don't, don't give up when you experience pain because you might be in a difficult chapter, but there's something more for you in the next chapter. And when the child was born to Boaz and Ruth, it says the woman spoke to Naomi and they said, blessed be our God. He's not abandoned you. He's given you a redeemer and a daughter-in-law who loves you and is more valuable, greater value than seven sons. I don't know if I have to tell you, in that culture, unfortunately, the value of men was much higher than women. So to say this one woman was way more valuable than seven men's, that is ascribing incredible value to what God could do through Ruth and Naomi. And she chose to follow you, and Ruth had no obligation. If you remember back in that story, Ruth's husband has passed away. There's no obligation to continue. Naomi said, you can go back. But Ruth said, no, your people will be my people. Your God will be my God. And now Naomi, four chapters later, probably about a year or so later, can you imagine that feeling when she held her grandbaby in her arms? And she thought back to that moment of bitterness and that moment when her husband has passed away, her children have passed away, and it felt like it was all over. And I think God here is saying to somebody that you've been in moments of pain and you're like, I don't know if there's anything left in this story. But after a year of that for Naomi, she's holding a grandbaby. Isn't that incredible? Picture that in your mind. The power. Only God can do that. Only God can turn bitterness to a blessing. Hopelessness and depression to joy. And peace and hope. Naomi is blessed by her faithfulness to God. Look at, look at the next verse after that. It's after it says that she held that baby, it says in verse 17, the woman of the neighborhood gave him a name, saying, a son has been born to Naomi. 
They named him Obed, and he was the father of Jesse, the father of David. A son has been born to Naomi. God rewarded Naomi, and of course, Boaz and Ruth, but the son continues the lineage and the family of Naomi from past to present to future because Obed becomes the father of Jesse, who becomes the father of David. Not only was Naomi's lineage preserved, it thrived. It became the lineage where we would find David. Yes, that David, King David, the David that God would anoint to be the second king of Israel, the David that God would put in charge slaying the giant Goliath, the David that would be known as a man after God's own heart. That came through the lineage of Naomi. And that leads us to our second point. Because our greatest success we can have on earth is the success of our family after us serving God. Amen? It's the greatest thing we could leave here is a heritage, a legacy of people behind us that follow God. Our second point is that God's plan means there's more for the future. So often we think this is the end. This is it. This is the best I could do. God wants to remind you there's more. God has a plan for more. It doesn't end with you. God has already thought ahead for the future, and there's more blessings to come. And your faithfulness to God right now, right here, is going to impact long after the present. In fact, Jeremiah, he says there are plans for welfare, not for evil, and he says there are plans for your future. God has a plan to use this instance right here in the book of Ruth to set up the throne of Israel for years to come. His plan goes beyond us in our moment in history. In fact, they go before us, and it goes after us. And I'm going to go ahead, and, and I'm going to read the last three verses of the book of Ruth, because they help us see the power of genealogy, of the story of what came after. Let's read the last three verses. It says, Now these are the generations of Perez. Perez fathered Hezron. Hezron fathered Ram. Ram fathered Aminadab, Aminadab fathered Nishan, Nishan fathered Salmon, Salmon fathered Boaz, Boaz fathered Obed, Obed fathered Jesse, and Jesse fathered David. I think I got through all those names. I only butchered four or five of them, maybe. Okay, more than that. Notice how the author actually starts with Perez. From Perez to David. And I wanted to know, what is the significance of Perez? You see, Perez's mother was Tamar, Tamar. And Tamar had a husband who died childless. Judah fathered Perez with Tamar. Think about the parallel. Ruth's husband died childless. And Boaz fathered Obed with Ruth. And Perez is known as the ancestor of a host of clans that led to Boaz, who fathered clans that led to David. Two stories, same problem, resolved by the same God who had a plan for the present and for the future. In fact, we can see, I know genealogy can be boring to read all those names, but here's the importance of it. It's our ability to see God's hand all over history. 
If you look at that, you see that God works out his plan from generation to generation. Because you and I, we are so limited. We see only a fraction of what God is doing in the world. But God is going over every generation. He hasn't forgotten about your generation. And he sees every single lifetime, but yet he hasn't forgotten about your lifetime. And the genealogy that we see, we see the continuity of God's purpose from age to age. Everything from Perez to Boaz to David and beyond had a plan because God has more for your future. Don't give up. Don't believe the lie that you have no future, that there's no point to what you're doing. God says he has a plan for prosperity in the now and he has a plan for your future. And, and we're going to get to the third point in a minute. But so often we get focused. We, a lot of you probably know Jeremiah 29, 11, right? I know the plans I have for you. Probably one of my favorite verses. But I want to pause for a second and read what is said after verse 11. Look at verse 12 through 14. He says, then you will call upon me and come and pray to me and I will hear you. You will seek me and find me when you seek me with all your heart. I will be found by you, declares the Lord, and I will restore your fortunes and gather you from all the nations and all the places where I have driven you, declares the Lord, and I will bring you back to the place from which I sent you into exile. I think God is telling some people today, he has plans for you to prosper and to give you a future and a hope, and you must call on him and pray to God. Seek him with your whole heart, and it says he will restore you. Naomi is restored in this story. Her family line is restored and blessed, and we know that it's blessed beyond King David. We know who comes from the line of David, right? Sunday school people, you can shout it out. It's Jesus, right? It's Jesus. Jesus is born from the lineage of David, which was from the line of Naomi and Boaz and Ruth. And because Naomi returned to God, leaving Moab, returning to Bethlehem, that's why the roots of David are in Bethlehem. That's why Joseph and Mary had to go back to their roots in Bethlehem and register for the census and give birth to Jesus in a manger and the shepherds came. I'm preaching Christmas in June, but it's because there's a reason. Naomi, Ruth, they are the reason Jesus was born in Bethlehem. They were part of God's plan. And this is our last point today. I know we're going to go quick here. But God's plan, number three, it means hope for all eternity. It means your hope for all eternity. I want you to know that God has a plan for you right now to prosper you. He has a plan for your future. And I love when Jeremiah says that he says a plan for your future and hope. And what that says to me is there's something after your future. It's the hope for all eternity through Jesus Christ. To me, saying that hope came last, I mean, God thought about hope last. He thought about your eternity in mind. And honestly, I was humbled as I was closing down writing this message because I thought, oh my goodness, if I do a sermon series on God's plan for your life and I forget the very best part of his plan that he's already planned out a way for your eternity to be secure in heaven, I would miss the biggest part. I believe God has a plan for your present and for your future, but thank God. Most importantly, 
He's already made a plan for your eternal security. Jesus is not only considered in this book of Ruth right here. I don't know, when you saw David, maybe that made you automatically think about Jesus. But if you look, Jesus is actually paralleled throughout this entire book. If you think about Boaz, remember what Ruth said about Boaz. She said, you are a redeemer. It's the parallel of Jesus as the redeemer for us. And I want to share with you, I believe I have five parallels as we close here today of the parallels between Boaz, the kinsman redeemer, and Jesus. Number one, the kinsman redeemer had the duty of buying family members out of slavery. Jesus redeemed us from slavery to sin and death. The kinsman redeemer had the duty of buying back land that had been forfeited. Jesus will redeem the earth that mankind sold over to the enemy. Boaz, he was not motivated by self-interest, but he was motivated by love for Ruth. We know that Jesus was motivated for redeeming us by his great love for us. For God so loved the world. Boaz, he took her as his bride. The people that Jesus has redeemed were collectively called his bride. And lastly today, Boaz provided a glorious destiny for Ruth. I want you to know that Jesus, as our Redeemer, he has provided a glorious destiny for you and me. Aren't you thankful for that, that we have a glorious destiny through Jesus Christ? Amen. That there is a plan for your here and now and your future. But most importantly, this life can be pretty bad if I know, if I feel secure, knowing I've got heaven waiting on me because I've accepted Jesus as my Lord and Savior. I'm going to ask the worship team to come up. I'm going to ask you to stand up actually at this point as we close. I want to take a moment to reflect and to pray. I want to do a few things, but first and most importantly, if you would say, if I were to die today, I don't know for sure where I would go. If that's a thought that's going through your mind, I hope it concerns you. And I'm not here to scare you. I'm here to give you that hope. I'm here to tell you that you can have that security in heaven through Jesus Christ. God made a plan so that none would perish but have eternal life, but it, it starts with us choosing to accept Jesus as our Lord and Savior, repenting of the things that we've done wrong. We've all done wrong. Not a perfect person in this room, but we all have the ability through Jesus to be saved. I'm going to ask you to bow your heads. If you're here today, and as I said those things about not sure where you would be, if God forbid you were taken away from this life and you want to know for sure, I want to pray a prayer with you. I want you to repeat after me, but if that's you, I want to keep you in mind. Would you slip up your hand and say, I've never made that commitment. I've never made that decision today. I want to make sure my security is in heaven. Would you slip up your hand? I'm not looking to embarrass you. I just want to pray with you in mind. One last chance. Church, would you pray after me this prayer? Say, dear Jesus, thank you 
for going to the cross for me, dying for my sin and being resurrected with power over the grave. Forgive me of my sin. Help me to turn away from the things that don't love you, that don't honor you. Come into my heart. Make me new. In Jesus' name. Thank you for listening to today's message. The gathering is a place where you can belong to a church that loves you, believe in the God who is bigger than you, and become who God created you to be. For updates, service times, or ways to get involved, check out thegathering.online. And if you enjoyed listening today, consider rating it or sharing it with a friend. We love you. The best is yet to come.